only is there responsibility, but there's a high level of freedom in that. Because only when you finally admit that, yeah, that was my fault, can you really move forward. If not, you're stuck just blaming everybody else, and you will never grow, you'll never mature, you'll never never develop beyond that moment unless you learn to simply take responsibility and say, you know what, that was my fault, and I'm going to own it, and I'm going to move forward. The truth is, as I said, not everything is your fault. And so this is not what this sermon is about, is to make you feel guilty. But the truth is, some things are our fault. And that's what we're going to look at today. A story of when the Israelites finally came to their senses, it appears, and realized we've done some things that weren't right, and we're going to repent, and we're going to turn around, and we're going to follow the Lord. And that's what we see in the second episode we'll look at this morning in Psalm chapter 107. If you've got some way to get there, get to Psalm 107 this morning. <clears throat> the handout in your bulletin has it there. I hope you brought a copy of God's Word. I tell you this every so often. If you don't have a Bible that you say, you know what, this is a Bible that I understand and I can read, then by all means, let me know. We will get you one. Uh, we want you to have a copy of God's Word, especially if you're a young person. And, and, and hear me on this, young people. If you don't have a Bible that you that you say, you know what, I'm going to open that up and I'm going to read that thing, and, it, and I begin to understand a little bit. There's some things in the Bible that take a little extra study to understand. I get that. But if you're reading from a translation, you say, look, Grandma gave this to me, and I appreciate her giving it, but I don't understand anything it's saying. Then by all means, let me know. And I mean that sincerely. That's no slam against your grandma. That's just, hey, let me get a, a Bible that I really understand. I mean that. So make sure you get a copy of God's Word. Somehow you can access it this morning. Psalm 107 is a thanksgiving psalm. And we're in a series called Thank God, and that's what we're looking at. What are we thanking God for? We lead up to Thanksgiving, boy, a time of, of Thanksgiving and, and giving thanks and whatever. I, I saw something on Facebook earlier, and it said uh, November is the is the time where people who have complained all year spend 30 days being thankful. That's... Uh, that's what it is. Hopefully, I mean, that's, that's probably true, but hopefully we can change that a little bit. And look, really, what is it that we have to thank God for? In Psalm 107, it breaks down where it opens with several verses telling us to thank God. And then it gives four episodes or four ways or four reasons that the Israelites were to be thankful to God. Some folks have said, well, this is all about one one particular episode it's just it, or one event, four different ways of looking at it. Some folks have said this is four different groups of people that experience the same thing. And so uh, it starts off, it'll say some did this and others experienced this and so on. Regardless, what we're looking at it is there are four distinct sections in this psalm that say some people experience this, others experience this, and so on. And so we're breaking it down that way. Now, as I told you last week, if you were here, we're not sure exactly who wrote this or when it was written. And, and really that doesn't matter. It's just looking back on Israel's history and what they experienced. And it refers to God's work in gathering them back from when they had been dispersed in what was known as the exile... Uh, toward the, the, I guess the latter part, I guess, of, of the Old Testament history, they were exiled to Babylon. The Israelites lost their land, and God said, you know what, I'm tired of dealing with your rebellion, and the last thing that I've been hanging on to for you is the land that I promised you, and guess what, I'm taking that away too. I'm going to get your attention somehow, he says, and, and this is the last thing to go. And it was devastating for them. I mean, they, they, they were, you, you know the story of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that was part of the exile. And you know what difficulty that was? They're in a foreign land with foreign gods, and it's, things are not going well for them. And so this is, this is the aftermath of that, and they look back on it uh, and are giving thanks. So look with me in the first three verses. We're going to look at the first three verses. It kind of sets a tone again. 
Verses 1 through 3, and then we'll go to verse 10. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that He has redeemed them from the hand of the foe and gathered them from all the lands, from the east and west, north and south. And so you get the idea this, folks, let's gather together. Let's give thanks for what God has done. He's loved us. He's never given up on us. We've experienced some tough things, but God has always been faithful, and so let's give thanks to Him. The first episode last week was about how some of them wandered in a desolate wilderness. We didn't really have any idea exactly how they got there, but they cried out to God for help and He rescued them. This week we're going to see there's a distinct difference between what they experienced and why last week and then this week. Look at verse 10. Others sat in darkness and gloom, prisoners in cruel chains. And then verse 11, because why? They rebelled against God's commands and despised the counsel of the Most High. Last week, no idea exactly why they're in the wilderness. Maybe that's just you know where they found themselves and they didn't do anything wrong. This week, why are they in prison? Why are they in gloom and a deep darkness? Because they rebelled against God. They despised His wisdom and His advice. That word there, when it says they sat in darkness, that means that's where they lived. That was their experience day in and day out. Now, some of this could be figurative. Maybe they were very literal prisoners chained up, and they, could, they were not physically free. But as the psalm has kind of unfolded a little bit, we see that maybe this is, this is highlighting something deeper. Maybe they were, because they were exiled in Babylon, certainly captive to a foreign country, but more than that, they were spiritually captive. And they sat in deep darkness every day. That's where they lived. And I know some of you know exactly how that feels. To live in just a deep darkness. <clears throat> and physically, everything may be okay. You've got a home and a job and a family and all the stuff that maybe you've always thought you wanted. And yet you realize, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm living in this deep darkness. That gloom there is the word that is also used in Psalm 23 for the shadow of death. Death just surrounds and intimidates, and it's just an awful, awful thing. They were in cruel chains. They were prisoners in cruel chains. Their misery is overwhelming. These are chains of iron, not easily broken. They rebelled against God, against His commands, and against His counsel, which was... Well, God had given them to be there for their benefit. And so here they are in this dark dungeon of life, in a very dark place. And I'll be honest with you, especially maybe young people, listen up for just a second. Because I think anybody who's not a young person anymore, and unfortunately I have to consider myself, I'm not that young person anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer to, uh, to where I actually have to, to grow up. But... Um, but here's what I've seen and what I've learned and what I've found in my life. That sin is depressing. It, it promises a whole lot. It, re- it really does. And, 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 and don't take this as a lecture from an old guy. If you believe that anybody who's lived a little bit might actually have something to pass on to you, listen for just a second. When it says they sat in darkness and gloom because they rebelled against God's commands, that's not just for them. Sin is depressing. Sin will steal your joy. It will steal your will to live. It will absolutely destroy your mind and your heart and your emotions. It will destroy you. It will. Now, and, and, and the world is not going to tell you that. There's nobody, there's nobody you know, in, in your school. There's nobody 
Uh, you know, they, maybe it's your job. There's nobody, you know, we talk about a baseball team. There's nobody even on a ball team. There's nowhere, young folks, that you're going to go that the message is going to be sin will absolutely destroy you. If anything else, the message is going to be, what? Really? That guy said that at church on Sunday morning? <laughs> it's pretty good. That's the message. The message is going to be, look, you are your own person. You do what you want to do. Don't let anybody tell you not to be your own person. Just follow whatever your heart wants to do. That's the message that you're going to get. And you'll wind up one day after a life of giving in to that, and you'll be miserable. And you won't like yourself very much. I have seen that in so many people. I've talked to them about it. I've experienced that in my own life. Sin is depressing. It steals the very life from you. No wonder they sat in darkness and in gloom. They had to feel pretty low and pretty worthless at that point. They knew and they had been told many, many times... This was after God had sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet to tell them, Thus saith the Lord, don't do this stuff anymore, because eventually God will make it right. And you won't like how He makes it right, because God will not tolerate sin. Not exactly the most encouraging message I know so far, but the truth is the truth, isn't it? They have been told many times, that it was their fault, that they needed to repent, and they needed to turn from their sin and turn toward God, and yet they didn't. And so God allowed this exile, this removal from the land. And if you have to, to get this idea, I know we got a lot of folks around here that have a lot of family ties to land. Imagine if somebody came to you and said, look, you've not done a good job taking care of this land, and I'm taking it from you and from your descendants, they will not experience it. You, you, it's, it's over. I'm done with you. Gave you responsibility. I told you how to do it, and you haven't done it. At first you say, well, look, I, you know, it, it, it didn't rain, or it rained too much, or the ground's just not very good. We try to blame everybody else. Finally, the Israelites had to come to the realization they were kicked out of the land because they had rebelled. Verse 11, the word rebel there means to be obstinate. They were hard-headed. They had heard it so many times. The commands of the Lord, based primarily, of course, on the Ten Commandments and the law that followed. What God had said, here's what I want you to do. They had despised, they had rejected the counsel, the wisdom, the advice, the plan of God. In the previous stanza of this poem in Psalm 107, there's no reason that we have why they wandered, but here we know exactly why they're in a deep darkness. Why is it they would dis disobey and despise the Word of God? You know, I wonder if maybe they were a lot like us. Sometimes they, they just thought, oh, this is too narrow. This is too restrictive. I mean, God's a God of love. You know, I can do what I want. I mean, He'll forgive me. It's all good. Maybe they thought that God's Word was just too restrictive. Adam and Eve apparently thought that. God had said, hey, look, anything in the garden, I just want you to enjoy it. I've created you to enjoy me and enjoy this creation that I've given you. And look, anything you want, except that. And if you eat of that particular tree right there, the one that I've put a boundary around and said, don't do that, then you will be punished and you will certainly die. And apparently when the serpent appeared to Eve and began to help her understand, God's just too restrictive. 
He, he, he just doesn't want you to have true freedom. He doesn't want you to know all the stuff that he knows. God's just keeping you down. Then she realized after she had eaten it that she had all the freedom that she could ever have before she sinned. Sin not only will destroy you, but it will make you a slave to itself. You realize that sin is never enough? It's called the law of diminishing returns. Eventually, you've got to have more of that and more of that and more of that to satisfy whatever you thought that was going to bring you in the first place. Sin is insatiable. cannot be satisfied. It has an uncontrollable appetite, and it will absolutely destroy you. Rebelling against God, Adam and Eve found, was not where freedom was found, but where slavery and bondage were found. Freedom, it is found, certainly, in obeying the Lord Himself. Over and over and over, these folks had not listened to God's messengers. It was like they showed up at church every single week, heard the sermon, shook the pastor's hand, and went out and did what they wanted to do. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't ever want to think too highly of myself. I, I get to stand up here before you. It's a privilege I don't deserve. It's, I've told you before, it's an honor to be your pastor. I mean that sincerely. It is an absolute honor and privilege to stand here and speak on behalf of God, but I do understand that that's what I do each week. And I don't mean that, that you should respond in any way to me personally. I don't care if you like me, if you don't like me, if you love my preaching, don't like my preaching. That's not my point at all. I hope that you would. All right? I kind of like to get along with Bill because I like Juanita. All right? She's a nice lady, so, you know. But let's be honest. When it comes down to it, I, I am here to speak on behalf of God and to say, folks, here's what God has said. And so I take what I, what I do very seriously, not because I think you need to listen to me, but I think we need to hear from God. These folks had come to church every single week, and it went in one ear and right out the other. They'd been in Sunday school for years, and they knew all the stories, and it never touched their heart. And they just kept rebelling against God and just doing what they wanted to do week in and week out. And I don't know if you've ever sat under a preacher who just constantly tried to stomp on your toes. I don't try to do that. But listen, if God stomps on your toes, He's probably doing it for a reason. They rebelled against God. They despised what He thought and what He said. Now, we would hardly see our actions this way in today's world as rebelling against God. But that's how God sees it. That's how God sees sin. He doesn't see sin as just some, ah, no big deal. It's rebellion against Him. They were in change because what of what they had done, and it was their fault. And then look what God did, verse 12. He broke their spirits with hard labor. He broke their spirits. What did they need to have happen to them? They were obstinate. They were hard-headed. They needed to have their will broken. And guess what God did? He broke it. Well, boy, God's cruel, isn't He? You tell me, is God doing what's best for them, or is He just being vindictive? God is doing what is best for them. What did they need? They needed to follow Him. They had rebelled against Him. He knew the only thing to do was to break their will, to break their spirit, and to say, look, you've got to turn Him. I've got to get your attention. So what did He do? He shipped them out of the land that they had been promised and put them into hard labor under a foreign king, and they finally woke up. They finally woke up. They stumbled, it says, and there was no one to help. Sin was destroying them. They didn't know it. They didn't want to know it. God broke them, and finally, they look around and say, where's the help going to come from? There was no help. They stumbled. They staggered and fell down. There was no help. God crushed them. 
He wore them out. You realize that sometimes God protects us from the consequences of our sinful choices. You ever been there? Whew, boy, I got away with one there. Oh, man, I'm glad I didn't have to pay for that stupid decision. Good grief. God, thank you so much that, you know, I was, a, I was an absolute knucklehead, and I didn't have to go through the full consequence. Everybody has experienced that. But you realize also that sometimes God just lets it happen. You make a stupid decision, sometimes you pay for it, don't you? Whatever it is. Whatever kind of decision, whatever area of life it is, sometimes he lets that hammer fall in order to get our attention. You may be going through a difficult time as the result of awful and sinful, maybe just wrong choices you've made. I would hope that you pay attention to say, God, this isn't your fault, it's my fault. Thank you for the consequences that have gotten my attention. God broke their spirits, and listen, it was the most gracious thing that he could do. Do you know what they deserved? You know what we deserve for God to completely disregard them and say, I will not listen to you ever again. I will hear no more prayers from you. See you later. You know what he did instead? He kept pursuing them. He broke their spirits to get their attention because that's what they needed. They needed to turn back to him. Listen, in our consequences for our sin, don't blame God. Don't get mad at God. Say, thank you, God, so much for graciously calling me awake to my sin. They deserve punishment and retribution, but he had mercy. He didn't kill them, and he instead broke their spirit so he could free them. Look what they did in verse 13. They cried out in their trouble. They just screamed, help. Help. They're asking for a change maybe in their circumstances, but the psalmist obviously is referring to something that is much deeper. Now, I've heard different people talk about it before. Well, you only need God when there's a crisis. You only call out to God when things get really bad. You, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you make a mistake. You're dealing with some consequences. Okay, that's when you turn to God. Listen, nobody ever turned to God except out of desperation. Nobody's ever turned to God except out of desperation. We finally recognize our sinful state apart from Jesus. Guess what? You're desperate at that point. Everybody who's ever been saved, everybody who's ever prayed that prayer to say, God, forgive me, I give my life to you, has been desperate. Let's not be too judgmental of those who in a desperate situation do what desperate people do, and that is call out to God. Maybe you're desperate this morning. Let me encourage you to follow the words of verse 13. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. You say, it's my fault. I've done all of these things. Who am I to seek help from God? They cried out to God in their trouble. Their trouble was we've sinned, we've rebelled, and now we're paying for it. God knows your heart, by the way. Psalm chapter 51 says that a broken and contrite spirit God will not despise. He won't turn that away. If your heart is humbled, God knows it. You say, well, I've lived the way I've wanted to live for so many years, and I've been hard-headed and obstinate and whatever. God knows your heart. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. God knows your heart. I visited recently with a friend who's been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And when I got to the hospital, he was already talking with someone about the things of the Lord. This is a, a man who has lived a very independent, hard-headed life. I love him. <laughs> I really do. I love him to death. But he'd be the first to admit he's just done how he wants to do. And he looked at me and he said, 
He said, I don't want everybody to think that I'm a hypocrite. But just because I get a stage four diagnosis, all of a sudden now I turn to the Lord. You ever dealt with anybody like that? Deathbed confession. Desperation. Times are so awful, I don't know what else to do. I simply shared with him the parable of the field workers and their wages from Matthew chapter 20. If you know that story, Jesus tells a parable about the kingdom of God and these different folks come to work at different times, so they don't work all the full day, and yet they all get paid the same amount. The guys who show up early say, ho, 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 hold on a second. You're telling me that we got here at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I've worked all day long. These guys got here 30 minutes ago. They're going to get the same money I'm getting? And the owner of the vineyard looks at these guys that got there at 8 in the morning and said, Did I do anything wrong to you? Did I give you what I promised? Am I not entitled to also give these guys the same amount if I believe that's what I want to do? The point is, that no matter when you come to the Lord, you get the same thing. Amen. It doesn't matter. And let me just tell you this. I, I, you, some of us in this room are, are not exactly as young as we once were. And I've got, you know, got a lot of life behind me. I don't know if I, you know, I don't want everybody, let's like my friend, I don't want everybody to think I'm a hypocrite because all of a sudden now I'm going to turn to the Lord. Let me just tell you, don't worry about what everybody else is thinking. If God is calling you to, as the old term goes, get right with Him, if He's calling you into a relationship with Him and you know it's time to repent and give your life to Him, listen, it doesn't matter if you showed up at 8 o'clock in the morning and got here 30 minutes ago. Forgiveness, grace, eternal life are for anyone who will believe in Jesus. Anyone. And folks, on the other side, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I got saved when I was 8 years old. 30 years. Some of you have been a Christian a lot longer than that. Maybe twice as long. We ought to celebrate, absolutely go crazy, when somebody who's lived apart from God's will at the end of their life realizes it and they give their life to the Lord. We ought to celebrate and throw them a party as they get baptized and say, thank God you get to spend eternity with Him. And all it was was 50, 60, 70 years down here, you live for yourself. You turned your life over to the Lord. That's what I told my friend. I said, look, don't worry about what everybody else thinks. I said, if, you, if, if this is a decision you want to make, then praise God. Don't worry about deathbed confessions. God knows your heart. It goes on in verse 14. God rescued them. They cried out. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their chains apart. He brought them out. It means he marched them right on out of there. He said, good, it's time to go. You repent, here we go, let's take off. He broke their chains. It means tear to pieces, pulled loose, snapped in two, tear them away. They were to bind them no more. Verse 16, look at verse 16. He has broken down the bronze gates and cut through the iron bars. He shattered it all to pieces. When they cried out to the Lord, they realized this is our fault. It's time to repent. Guess what God did? He administered grace right where it's needed. I'm almost done. And we haven't even gotten to the fill in the blanks. Y'all are all nervous. Separated Clyde. He's enjoying this. Listen. We are no different from them. We, they weren't the first to rebel against God. And we won't be the last. It's part of the human condition. And we must admit, of course, that even those of us that claim to follow Jesus Christ still, from time to time, will sin, won't we? They rebelled. They despised God's Word. Then they stumbled and they cried out. 
We need to to recognize this morning, you know what, my sin is my fault. I have sinned because I was born to sin and I need to repent and I need to give that to the Lord. And maybe as a Christian you'd say, look, I I, I just need to own my sin. I've got to confess it to the Lord. I'm going to own it. it. It's not just, well, an innocent mistake, well, just boys being boys kind of stuff. No, 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 no. It's rebellion against God. And I'm going to confess it. I'm going to repent. The bad news is that God views our sin as rebellion. The good news is that the response He had to them can be the same response that you can experience today. When you realize it's your fault, let me give you something to thank God for and then some things to do this week and we'll close, alright? When you realize it's your fault, let me encourage you to thank God for the freedom, for freedom from the penalty and the power of sin. When you realize it's your fault, Thank God for freedom from the penalty and the power of sin. What did it say? When they cried out, God did what? He broke their chains. They rebelled. God forgave. When you realize it's your fault, thank God for freedom from the penalty and the power of sin. Look with me real quick at verse 15. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love and His wonderful works For all humanity. This is repeated in all four of these episodes. What's this specifically referring to? What God did in the midst of their sin. When they repented, here's what God did. His faithful love never stopped. We see fast forward to the New Testament. His faithful love never stopped. God so loved the world that what? That He gave His one and only Son. Whosoever will believe will not perish, will not die, but will have eternal, everlasting life. The love of God continued. His faithful love has never given up. His wonderful works for all humanity. Second Corinthians chapter uh, chapter seven tells us, or chapter five rather, verses seventeen to twenty one tell us that God, one of his wonderful works is to not hold our sins against us, that he sent Jesus to make an exchange, so that he could become sin and we get to trade places, we become his righteousness. When you realize it's your fault, simply thank God for freedom from the penalty. I don't have to die an eternal death and the power. I don't have to live in bondage to those things anymore. God has broken the chains. And then this week, let me give you three things this week. Just as points of application, because I know just telling you all this stuff, maybe that's not enough for you. First of all, preach the gospel to yourself this week. Preach the gospel to yourself this week. Galatians 2 tells us that Paul wrote, he said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live by the, by the, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I've been changed. I no longer live. Preach the gospel to yourself. 2 Corinthians tells us, as I just mentioned, that God made Him, Jesus, who didn't even know any, any, any sin, made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we could become the righteousness of God. Romans chapter 8 tells us there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing that we've done, nothing we can do, nothing that can happen, nothing that has happened, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Preach the gospel to yourself this week. I hope that you hear the gospel each Sunday morning, wherever it is you go to church, whether here or somewhere else, but you need to hear it every single day. You need to hear the gospel. Preach it to yourself this week. Secondly, believe the gospel this week. It's one thing to preach it to yourself, so it's another thing to believe it. Believe the gospel when you sin. Then I'm a new creation. The old is gone. Then when I confess my sin, God's faithful and just. He's forgiven me. 
when circumstances are against you. This world is not my home. (laughs) I have citizenship in heaven. When you're tempted. It's the power of the resurrection, Paul said, that he wanted to experience so that he could live the life that God had for him. When your thoughts and your emotions are taking you down, you can remind yourself and you can remind Satan and you can believe it that I am a child of God purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Believe the gospel this week. And then thirdly, live the gospel this week. Paul told us to live by the Spirit, to pray continually. Jesus said to love as He loved it. And John wrote, we love because He first loved us. Paul wrote that we are to forgive as God has forgiven us in Christ Jesus. How can you live the gospel this week? Preach it to yourself. Preach it until you believe it. And believe it and live it this week. We need to hear the gospel message. that we rebelled and God forgave. Remind yourself this week. Let me encourage you in the next few moments. We're going to sing a song called Just As I Am. That's an old one. Some of you remember those from the old Billy Graham Crusades. Maybe you were in a church when you grew up, they'd sing it through 50 times till somebody came down front. Somebody's going to be here. All I want you to do this morning is when we stand and those words appear on the screen or you're looking at your hymn book, is to let God speak to you through those words. Drop the act. Drop the act and come just as you are to the Lord. Don't try to clean yourself up because you can't do it. Simply say, God, it's time for me to repent. It's time for me to confess. And Lord, here I am just as I am. I've got no shot apart from you. I throw myself on your grace and your mercy. And then this morning, just simply receive the forgiveness, the love of God. They cried out, Lord, help me. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. And then then the psalmist said, thank God for what he's done. How is it this morning that you need to respond? I'd encourage you to drop the act and come just as you are. I'll be down front in a minute. I'd be happy to pray for you. If you want to come and just kneel here and say, I've got to get along with God a little bit. I'm going to grab a friend, ask them to pray. However it is you need to respond or just to sing from your heart, just as I am, Lord. That's how I'm coming this morning. Respond however it is that God calls you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come just as we are. So, Lord, this morning I pray for those who need to do that, those who are realizing that sin is absolutely destroying their lives, that it's not giving them life, it's taking it from them, that they have no joy, no peace. Lord, help us where it's appropriate to realize what is our fault and simply repent through confession of faith. We thank You, Lord, for Your grace, for the love shown in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we thank You for the freedom from the penalty of sin. We don't have to spend eternity apart from You and also freedom from the power of sin. We can truly live as new creations. Lord, speak to us this morning very specifically and help us respond to come to You just as we are. We pray in Jesus' name.